Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thank you so much for joining us for Positively Dad. My name's James Shaw. I am your host. I'm a dad, and very excited that you are uh, listening today to our podcast, Positively Dad. My wife and I have a first grader in our house named Naomi, and we love being parents to her. And gosh, for as long as I can remember, I'd wanted to be a dad. And that's why I started this podcast, because, you know, there's just not a lot of resources for dads out there. Most of the parent resources, magazines, podcasts, Twitter pages, Instagrams, you know, books, all that kind of stuff, it's designed for mom. There's just not as much out there for us as dads. And so I decided about two months ago to go ahead and get the podcast started, and that's what we've been doing. We're on episode number 10. And the goal is to bring a lot of value to you as a dad. Talk about things that maybe we aren't talking about. Look at things that you've maybe never looked at before and think about how would the world look different if we just became more aware of, of ways that we could get more involved in our families, more involved in our communities, support our par- partners more, support our kids more, and take care of ourselves. And so that's what we're looking at on the podcast. You know, today I'm real excited about the topic, so we're going to have a real fun one today. I also want to remind you, too, that we are everywhere on social media, and anytime you can share something that, that you learned from the podcast, or, or, or even if you just kind of send out one of the messages we've been sending, that's a huge help as we just work to gain more listeners to Positively Dad, to, to take this message out to as many dads as we possibly can. So you can find us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's super easy at Positively Dad. That's all you've got to search. Our website is PositivelyDad.com, so you can find us there too. And if you have a chance uh, after today's podcast, maybe just give us a review. Let us know what you think. Five stars would be awesome. And let us know what you think about the show so that other people can find out about it. The way we do it is this. I've talked to somebody every week and about something that that uh, we should think about as dads. And, and, and again, most likely, it's something you've never even thought of before. And then we always wrap up with the kids' corner. And that's where uh, my daughter, Naomi, will come on and just share with you whatever's on her mind. So that's what's on our agenda today. And I'm very excited about today's podcast because it's different. It's uh, not one that I think you'd expect to listen to, and that's why I'm really excited to bring it to you. Today, we're going to talk to the 2017 Teacher of the Year. Her name is Sydney Chafee, and she was named Teacher of the Year in 2017 by the Council of Chief State School Officers. She teaches in a small school near Boston, and um, and and she's she's done TED talks. She's traveled around, uh, spoken to different groups, and I'm excited to have her on the podcast today. Now, Sydney, uh, in fact, one of her students once described her as this tall white lady who teaches in a school that's mostly students of color. In fact, 98% of the students in her classroom are black. And she teaches humanities in this school. And one thing they look at is, is social justice. And she said this comes up a lot. She's a ninth grade teacher. She's teaching high school. And she said it'll come up a lot that her students have strong opinions about things. They want to be able to share those things. And, and her thought process is allow them to do so. She says her job as the teacher is to create the environment for her students to grow up and be fantastic, respectful, successful adults. And so she says the way we do that is that we learn and discuss 
and and talk about things together. And so today we're going to talk with her a little bit about what to do and what to think when your child becomes very passionate about an issue. And and what do you do if maybe you don't even agree with what your child believes about a particular issue? Because Mrs. Chafee, Sydney Chafee says that that you know this type of conversation belongs in our schools. So I'm really, really excited to have her on the show today. I trust that you will listen, that you'll be curious, that you'll have an open mind, and maybe have some ahas as well. So, uh, Sydney, thanks so much for joining us today on Positively Dad. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So I I enjoyed your TED Talk a lot. And the thing that that stood out to me, first of all, was not everyone enjoyed it, right? So you had a lot of people that were on board, and I think some people that might have misunderstood it. And the, the thing, though, that I thought about was, We've always said children should be seen and not heard, and you're saying the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think, I guess I think it's a myth that we've always said that, you know? I mean, I, I think that's been a norm in in some cultural contexts, but I think if we think about history and social change, young people have often been at the forefront of that change. Um, and so I think in school, we have sometimes defaulted to uh, school runs best when kids sit and learn and the teacher talks. Um, But those of us who are in classrooms every day know that sometimes school is running best when the classroom is actually really loud and full of students' voices, um, because that's when they are doing the real work of thinking and talking and grappling with complex ideas. So what's important about students having a voice? Well, I mean, I think our students are the ones who are going to grow up and inherit this society, right? Our students are the ones who are going to be the leaders of tomorrow, or in some cases, they're the ones leading right now. And so school is a place where, and childhood and teenagerdom are places where our kids need to practice um, being leaders, using their voices. Our kids are incredibly attuned to Um, injustice. Our kids are incredibly attuned to things that are not equitable, um, to things that just don't sit right with them. Um, And I think as adults, sometimes we we become a little bit dulled to some of that. And we we stop asking why, right? You know, there's, you know, the joke about little kids is that they'll ask why, 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 and that it's kind of annoying, but it's also really beautiful um, that kids are so curious and that they push us to say, well, why is it that way? Well, why? That doesn't make any sense. Tell me why that, that happens that way and why can't we change it? And so, you know, for me as a teacher, I feel like if I'm sending my kids off not having really practiced how to connect what we're doing in the classroom to what's happening outside, to what's happening in the real world, then I haven't quite done my job. I've done my kids a little bit of a disservice. So what if a parent goes, well, that's not your job, right? Your job is to teach them math and language and social studies and all those things. Your job is not to teach them to, you know, you know, inspire social change and become an activist and, 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 you know, go out and, and, you know, make things happen in the world. I send them to school to learn. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's a certain way in which if that's your stance, we probably aren't going to agree on this, but my, my answer to that is just, my job is to prepare kids for what comes next. Right. So my job is to help them be ready for college and career and life. And through teaching them how to read, through teaching them how to write, through teaching them about history, all of which is my job, I prepare them to be citizens. I prepare them to do work in the world. And 
I'm not telling them what kind of work to do in the world. You know, I'm not telling them, hey, I think that this thing is unjust, so I want you to believe what I believe and go do something about it. I'm presenting them with ideas and saying, all right, so now let's figure out what you think and how can you articulate what you think about this thing. And sometimes that happens in terms of literary analysis, and sometimes it happens in terms of history or current events. Um, but ultimately, I think, I think a major misunderstanding of what I'm arguing is that I'm trying to indoctrinate kids to a certain <clears throat> way of thinking about the world. I'm trying to indoctrinate kids to a certain political belief. Um, and that's not, that's not what I'm about. You know, what I'm about is I want kids to know how to think, and I want kids to know how to identify what's important to them. And then I want them to be able to draw on history <clears throat> and draw on literature to know what they can do about that. Well, that's John Maxwell's definition of leadership, right, is teaching people how to think. And so that's mm -hmm. what you're saying to do. Um, I found interesting, something I found interesting about your TED Talk was you talked about the um, the walkout at school after uh, Michael Brown had been, been killed. And that there was, you know, first the school had to think about what to do. Parents kind of had to think about what to do. And then the, it, ultimately your school, the leadership at your school allowed the students to make up their own decisions about what to do. And some left and, and staged and, and participated in the walkout and some stayed in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I, I think some of the reaction to what you say is exactly what you said earlier, which is, well, are you saying that they should care about what's going on socially and care about what's going on politically or are you saying they should agree with you and what you're telling me is mm -hmm. no you just want them to care they don't need to agree with you and what happened in your school that day is proof of that would you agree yeah i mean i think ultimately that day that day was so tricky right and you know when you say well we we like let them make their own decision that's very much true we didn't we didn't sanction the walkout. We didn't allow the walkout. We didn't cancel classes so they could walk out. We said to them very clearly, here are the consequences if you decide to walk out, right? Your family will be notified. The next day when you come back, you're going to have to write an essay about why you made the choice you made. Um, and you have to turn that in before you go back to class, right? So there were, there were consequences. But there was also a sense of kids are going to make decisions that we don't agree with. And there was a very clear sense of kids, this is happening, right? This senior had written an email to the principal saying, this is happening. So what are you going to do about it? Right. And so we had to figure out, well, how do we meet them? How do we meet them where they are? Let them know that any time historically that people have chosen to use civil disobedience, that people have chosen to protest, there have been consequences. They've been aware of those potential consequences and they've chosen to do their action regardless of those consequences, right? They've welcomed the consequences. So we wanted them to understand their action in historical context in that way, but we also wanted them to know, you know, we, we understand why you're telling us you wanna do this. Um, and we're not going to attempt to just shut this down completely because, you know, realistically, we know that's probably not going to work. Um, and there was a lot of discussion among adults uh, in the school community, teachers and staff and parents, and we didn't all agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, we had to, we basically had to understand our, our children are telling us that they care about this thing. So what are we going to do to show them that we're listening and, and ultimately to make sure that they are safe in whatever they're choosing to do? And so that's kind of where we landed with it. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, there have definitely been times in class where students don't agree with with my take on something. Um, we're talking right now in class about Puerto Rico, and we're talking about the colonial history of Puerto Rico and the current reality of Puerto Rico. Um, and, you know, a lot of my materials that I'm showing them are sort of arguing, well, Puerto Rico technically isn't called a colony, but it's kind of a colony. Um, and I think it's pretty clear to them that that I, I think that. But it's also clear to them that they don't have to think that. So I have a number of kids who will argue, no, it's not a colony. Here's all the evidence. Look, you gave us this paper, and here's the evidence for why it's not. And so I welcome those kinds of discussions in the class. Um, we, we definitely don't have to agree. Um, but we do have to have space. In, we have to have safe spaces in our schools to have these kinds of conversations so that they can get that practice and they can figure out how to do that kind of um, you know, advocacy for what they believe, supporting their ideas with evidence, disagreeing with people without just resorting to shouting and arguments. All of those, all of those are really important skills. Well, what's important about our kids having a voice like this? I mean, you know, I think it's, it's, I think sometimes we underestimate our young people, you know, and we think that our young people don't have power, but again, we've seen time and time again that young people actually do have incredible power. And so do we want to teach them how to use that power to make the world into the kind of place that they want to live in? Or do we want to ignore their power and say, no, it's most important that they just follow our rules while they're here? Um, and for me, I think, again, schools should be a safe place for kids to figure out who they are, and how they want to be in the world and, um, you know, just how they want to operate and what kind of world they want. School should be a place, it's a laboratory to sort of figure out who am I? What do I believe? And so I think all of this, preparing them to have a voice and to use their voice, it's important because ultimately when they go out into the world, if we haven't prepared them to have a voice, well, then the world just acts on them. You know, I teach kids of color. 100% um, of my students right now are kids of color. And so if I don't prepare them, to go out there and really use their voices, if I don't help them hone those skills that they already have, then when they go out into the world, the, they are just in a place of sort of responding um, and having the world act on them. And I, instead, I want them to feel empowered and I want them to feel like they have the skills to be able to say, well, wait, this thing that's happening is not right. Or, well, wait, I need to advocate for myself in this situation in this way. Or, well, here, I need to actually... I need to collaborate with some other people to make something happen here. Um, I, I think it's an issue of, I think it's an issue of what's right and what's wrong. If we if we don't prepare our kids to do that kind of real world thinking and work, we're not preparing them to, we're not preparing them to engage in the world in a way that is empowered. So you're saying this is very important, and I think back and go, this. I mean, this is not new, right? Young people have been sharing their voice on on social and political issues for as long as we can remember and yet now we've got different ways to do that right so you've got mm -hmm. the ability through social media or different avenues to be able to be even more vocal so it this is not a new concept and um and yet they just got kind of different ways to communicate this mm -hmm. and i think that's the part that can be so hard for us and so scary for us as adults you know is well and that's why the walkout was scary. So it's, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen when they go out there? 
what's going to happen when they're not following our rules all the time or they're not doing this thing in the way that we expect them to or that we would want them to? That's really scary for us as adults, as teachers, as parents. And so then it becomes also, all right, so if we know that our students care about something and we know that they're going to go out there and they want to be active and they want to be working towards some sort of social change, how do we help prepare them to do that in the world that exists today? How do we educate our kids starting from pretty young at this point about social media? How do we educate them about their digital footprint? How do we educate them about interacting with people safely online? Um, I think these are all things that, you know, we didn't, I certainly didn't learn about when I was in school. And so for a lot of us, it, it's really scary to think about. And we, we get overwhelmed not really knowing where to start. Um, but, you know, as a teacher, if I have to think about how to teach my kids to write an essay, I don't start on day one with, okay, write the whole essay. I start by breaking it down into pieces and I teach them step by step what they're going to do. And then we start to put the whole thing together. And I think thinking about how we can support our kids in their work as activists and as change agents can be kind of the same way. So what are what's a little bite-sized piece we can take out of this thing so we can just start these conversations? It's not going to be easy work. It's going to be messy work. Um, but if we sort of ignore it and we say, well, I don't, that's not my job, or well, I don't want kids to do that, so I'm not going to talk about it, I think we're just willfully ignoring the fact that our kids are already out there. They're already thinking about these issues. Yeah, and they're talking about them already. So why don't we teach them how to do that and maybe how to inspire change or just encourage, just encourage dialogue? How different right. would the world be if we could just talk to each other? Yeah. Right. So what advice would you have for a parent? Let's say, let's say I'm, I'm raising a child who's at your school and, and they come home and they go, you know, dad, um, you know, I, I really feel like I need to participate in, in this walkout at school. This issue is important to me and I feel like I need to participate in it. And I don't agree with that. I go, you know what? You're not there for that. You need to be in the classroom. This is not, this is not the place and environment for you to be getting involved in social and political issues. So I want you in learning. What mm. advice would you give to parents who don't agree with the with the with the stand or the stance on an issue that their that their child is making. Yeah, I mean, so my daughter's four, so we don't really have to deal with this yet. Um, so, but I think as a teacher, I have all sorts of times where I really don't agree with the choice a kid is making, and that's that can be small things, right? Like I really don't agree with the choice this kid is making right now that he's just not going to do any homework because he thinks it's not worth it, right? Ultimately, I can't control that kid, but what I can do is make sure that my relationship with that kid is strong enough and open enough that we can, we can talk about what's going on. Um, and I think for, for parents, it's got to be the same way. So just like we talk about, you know, if you want your kids to be able to talk openly and honestly with you about things like peer pressure or the fact that, you know, Maybe their friend, maybe there's drinking going on in their friend group, and you just hope that they would talk to you honestly, so you know what's going on, so you know what kind of information they're getting. Right? I feel like it's the same way with with these sorts of issues about activism and about about social change. Is having enough of a relationship with your child where they know they can, we can sort of talk about this, and we can kind of figure out, okay, well, where are you coming from with this? What kinds of things are you hearing? Why are you invested in this? Um, and then I think it's a matter of just like with when I have conversations with kids, it's like, all right, so you have some choices in front of you right now. This is the choice you're telling me. I don't like that choice. And here are the reasons I don't like that choice. 
here's another choice that I feel like might be a better option. So I don't want you to go to that walkout. And here are the reasons why. But I'm hearing that this issue is really important to you. So here's another option I have for how we might get involved in that issue as a family. Because I agree with you that that issue is really important. I wonder if we might, I see that there's this fundraiser happening. I wonder if we might go get involved with that. Or I see that this organization is looking for volunteers. So as much as participating in this walkout feels like it would be really powerful, I wonder if there are other ways for you to engage in this work that don't necessarily mean you have to miss a day of school. Um, and maybe the kid will sort of see that and maybe the kid won't. I think ultimately there is this sort of reality that we always contend with with teenagers of there are just times where they're going to do what they want to do. And that's the point where we as adults have to say, all right, well, these are the consequences. If you make this choice, these are the consequences. And also we're going to have an ongoing conversation about it. But as a teacher, we, we always think about how do we give our kids some choices so that they really feel like we're hearing them. And they still have an element of, of control and of agency in whatever the situation is. But we're giving them some options that are more uh, sort of, uh, I, I can't think of the right word, but like we're, we're giving them some more options that are a little bit more acceptable to sort of what we're thinking. Um, and all of that is, you know, again, from the point of view of someone whose child is not yet a teenager, um, and frankly, thinking about when my own child is a teenager gives me some anxiety. But I, I feel like that is maybe how I would approach it as a parent. Well, it seems like great advice. And, you know, neither one of us are parenting experts. Between the two of us, we have 11 years of experience parenting, right? You have a four-year-old, I have a seven-year-old. <laughs> yep. So, and yet what seems to be hitting home with me on what you just said is, if we shut them down on something like this, then what else are we shutting them down on, right? If, if I tell them, nope, you absolutely not, you cannot participate in that, then is it possible that I'm, I'm creating the space where they won't tell me about other, other things? You know, a mentor mm -hmm. told me one time, you teach people how to treat you. So if, I, mm -hmm. if I'm constantly telling them, nope, 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 then yeah, when, they, when there's one of those things that I would love for them to reach out to me about because they're nervous or scared or have a thought, uh, they may not because they're just worried I'm going to go, well, what are you doing hanging out with them? You know you shouldn't be hanging out with those kids you know, as opposed right. to having a conversation. So I think that's right. really good. You know, something else is sticking out to me, and I think about, you know, think about all the kids from Parkland and a massive group from Parkland has been very, very active and, and, and spoken a lot about guns and, and, you know, how to handle those situations after what they experienced at their school. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, I'm sure you have conversations like that. You do training around stuff like that. And you certainly don't want to see that sort of thing happen in your school. And yet this group has been the most vocal group of students of, of probably any school shooting we've seen. And there's been a lot of backlash with that as well, right? They immediately, without their own choice, right, end up at the front of this, and, and they're running with an, uh, an issue that they believe is very, very important to them, and there's a massive segment of the population that is just hitting them left and right. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend we do to teach our kids about the consequences of being vocal on social issues? Yeah, so I think there, too, is where we have to have an ongoing conversation with them, and we... We have to sort of work to make sure that they can see us as allies in that work. Um, I think there's definitely a place where we as adults have to step up and make sure that if our kids are getting backlash for what they're doing, we are there to help address that. Because I think there's a certain level of, you know, there's a certain level of backlash and hate that those kids have gotten that needs to be dealt with beyond just them knowing how to advocate for themselves, right? Um, 
so that that's sort of one piece but i think i think the other piece is it again goes back to some of these classroom skills right so if i'm teaching my kids debate skills in class and we're debating about you know a historical event or some an article that we find or whatever what we're actually doing is we're preparing them for having those conversations outside of the classroom too and all of those skills that we're doing in the class we can transfer over to real work in the world so i you know one of the things that i was most sort of touched by after parkland was a few days after um when emma gonzalez got up on stage to speak and she had this big sheaf of papers with her and she said these are my notes from ap i think it was ap history these are my ap history notes so she had brought notes that she had from a class up on the stage with her because they were relevant to the things that she wanted to talk about and i like to think they were sort of also grounding for her it's like a lifeline here i am on this stage speaking to all of these people this is something that i never thought i was going to be doing a week ago but i have this i have something to ground me i i actually know what i'm doing here because the, the work that we did in class actually at this moment to be able to do this kind of speaking and this kind of thinking um and so for me it's like even if i'm not specifically connecting the work that we're doing in class to current events or to a social issue right now knowing that those skills are transferable is, is really important to me in terms of parents and parents role I, I think of two things one teachers and parents we've got to see each other as being in partnership right so we have to see that teachers have to see that parents are our allies that parents know our students best of anyone in the world um and that ultimately while we may disagree on certain things we agree on the most important thing which is that we love and care about these kids and want to see them do well so we have to work together second thing i think about for parents is again just sort of talking to kids and and saying all right so you know what are you learning about what are you guys talking about hey have you guys talked about this thing that's happening um in class at all um and I, I remember myself as a teenager and it would have been really hard to get me talking but i also think you know when we're persistent same thing with, with students i mean right now it's april i am just starting to see certain students in my class finally open up and trust me enough to talk with me um and trust me enough to be honest with me and that's after months and months of relationship building relentless relationship building on my part um and so i i think the same goes with kids just sort of constantly inviting them into conversations about these sorts of things being open to them talking about these sorts of things in a way that doesn't shut them down right away um so that when they are engaged in this kind of work they're able to then they know that they can come and talk about it with you so as we wrap up i i think this is the lesson i'm i'm hearing is that we're teaching young people how to have a dialogue which we probably haven't been teaching in the past which might be why we're in some of the challenges we're in right now because we just simply don't know how to talk with each other when we don't agree and and now we're in a time and space that we can probably teach some of that yeah i think so i think our kids are are seeing our kids are watching adults disagree on social media um all the time and they have big thoughts about that they have big thoughts about how adults are running things right now uh and i do think that we have a, a real moment right now to be able to to say to them very specifically hey these skills that we're teaching you these are skills that you will use in the real world and here are some examples of folks who are maybe not using these skills very well 
Awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking time out to join us today. Thank you so much. And congratulations on being named Teacher of the Year in 2017. What a cool honor. Thank you. My pleasure, Sydney. Thank you so much. And what a powerful conversation that was. I trust that you got some great value out of that and have a kind of a different maybe perspective of what you'd have otherwise. You know, the thing that stuck out, there are a couple of things that stuck out to me. Number one was the question, why? And gosh, yeah, when our kids are little, don't they ask that all the time? And, and what a powerful question that is. What a powerful question when our, our children, as they're growing up, go, well, why, why is it that way? And if our answer is, well, it's always been that way, then is that really the right answer? What if there's another possibility? What if there's another answer? And it, it made me think about how would we have these conversations? Now, please keep in mind that I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of a parent with a seven-year-old, not a 17-year-old. And I know the conversations look different. I can only think about how I might handle it 10 years down the line or five years down the line when she's you know, 12 years old. And, and so here's, here's what I'm thinking about. And that is, what, what could we do as parents just to be interested? Because the truth is, being interested is a choice. When, when someone has a different thought process than you, a different opinion about something than you do, uh, a, a, making a decision to be interested is a big deal. That's a choice you've made. What most of the time we do is we kind of have a bulldozer attitude and we push back or maybe we argue and, and that you know maybe doesn't work. The way that we might actually be able to have some great conversations with our kids as they're growing up is by understanding that they might have a difference of opinion than us and and just acknowledge that it's the perfect place for them, right? That whatever our kids are thinking is really the perfect thing for them to be thinking based on what they know. And, and, and so just what if we had a different attitude or a different mindset about this? Instead of getting in a judgment with our kids, or quite frankly, anyone who disagrees with us, what if just instead we said, you know what, I'm going to welcome your perception because it's different, and I'm going to recognize that it's, it's makes sense. What you think absolutely makes sense. And, and, and Mrs. Chafee, Sidney Chafee went on to say that when we can talk to our kids in this way and recognize that where they are is the perfect place for them, well, that strengthens our relationship. And when we strengthen our relationship, then they're more likely to come to us about things that we absolutely want them to come to us about. If something were going on in school, if they were feeling depressed, if they were challenged by some peer pressure, like we'd want them to come and see us about this, except if every time something happens that we don't agree with, we just push them away and we aren't interested, well, then maybe they won't come and ask us those questions, right? And then she said something else that I thought was really cool, which was we underestimate our kids. We underestimate them, that they actually are smarter than we give them credit for sometimes, and they have a lot of power, and we just need to teach them how to utilize that. And so what can we do to invest in them to help them do that? So I trust that you got a lot out of that interview today with Sydney Chafee. All right, now it's time for everyone's favorite part of Positively Dad, and that's the Kids' Corner, where Naomi, uh, my uh, first grade daughter, kind of shares with you whatever's on her mind. And based on the topic this week, I asked her, I said, hey, would you be willing to do your podcast uh, part on if you could change anything in the world, what would it be? What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. 
Hi, my name is Naomi Shaw, and today we're going to talk about how would you like to change your life? Well, most of all, I like mermaids, and mostly pregnant mermaids, so I have dreams about them, and it's so cool. So I wish God could make real mermaids. That's it for Mermaids Camera. Have a great day. Bye. Okay, so now you know. It's clear as day. I don't coach her at all on what to say. She says whatever she wants. If she was going to change the world, more mermaids. That's what we'd have. Hey, I want to thank you so much for choosing to listen to Positively Dad today. I trust that you found this conversation to be a valuable one, uh, maybe one you wouldn't have ever had before, and it's giving you a little bit of a new perspective and something to think about. We really do appreciate you for listening. Would you help us out by going on to wherever you listen to this podcast and and give us a rating, maybe even a review? That would be awesome. And uh, follow us on social media, at Positively Dad. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, you can reach out to me, james at PositivelyDad.com. Again, we thank you so much for listening to Positively Dad. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.